pronounce your name for me? Niranjan. Niranjan uh, Mahader. Yes, Niranjan Mahender. And uh, today is the Eric Swan Racing Podcast. I think it's number 66. And uh, welcome on the show. So thanks for coming on, talking to me for an hour or so today. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, we met at the racetrack a couple of weeks ago at Grattan Raceway um, doing uh, my first car track day. And you did your first car track day as well. I did not, actually. I did not do my car track day, though. That wasn't your first one? No, no, I, I didn't do a car track day at all. I wanted to, but I couldn't make it out, so. Um, I thought you went out for a session or two. No, 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 no. I think you have me confused with someone else. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe so. Um, I, uh, yeah, so I went to a track day recently, and uh, sorry, it might have confused you with somebody else, but <laughs> um, yeah, we went to the track, and uh uh, he had a Lotus Exiz. I think. Uh, I think I know who you're talking about. I know that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we went out and did a couple of sessions, and it was pretty cool. It was so low to the ground; it was um, I could barely see it in the in the rear view mirror. So so low. You had to use yeah. your side mirrors just to see it. <laughs> nice. Uh, how how did you like it? How was your first car track day? It was great. You know, I tried to get a, a more racy car, but they just weren't available. So I went with a pretty a stock Malibu and, um, you know, you just take any vehicle to its limit and um, it had some limits, but the tires were screaming everywhere. <laughs> That's, I was really surprised by that. The tires, every single corner, they were just screaming for mercy. Um, <laughs> and it was loud. I think it was louder than my engine because <laughs> it wasn't that loud of a car. Um, and I was, uh, pretty much a semi-automatic so i had like a gear shifter on the on the stick they're just a plus up and plus down um yep. so it wasn't ideal and then every time or sometimes um you know not every shift is perfect sometimes you want to shift at different points in the rev limit and the rev range and um it would wait quite a while for it to shift for me after i pressed up and down sometimes like that's not really what you want in a racetrack situation. Like shift now, damn it. I told you to shift. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a little tricky sometimes. And uh, twice I locked up and uh, under braking and just a little bit, but since it has ABS, it wanted to stop me to like 20 miles an hour, which was terrifying um, because I'm like smashing on the gas, like dash downshifting and it's, it's uh, locked up the brakes and the computer control uh, take, took over. Um, so it took a second for it to release, but it's like, you know, everything slows down for that one second. It just becomes, you know, like you can see in the matrix, you know, uh, it's like, go, go, go. And thank goodness nobody was behind me when that happened, because that was like, yeah. the most dangerous part of me being out there was just, uh, the electronics that were supposed to keep me safe. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it was a really, really, you know, must've been a different experience right, on a Malibu. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was different. I wasn't the slowest guy out there. You know, I have quite a bit of uh, knowledge and we were at Grattan, my home track. So I've been yep. there. So, um, we just did the clockwise uh, rotation and uh, it was good. It was, I'd like to do it again and just uh, maybe a faster car. Um, yeah. I was faster than some guy had a Fiat. I was faster than a Corvette out there, which was kind of surprising, yes. but um, it was like a, 
1970s or 80s Corvette. Um, and everybody's at different levels. Maybe it was his first time out there, you know. Um, so he just, uh, it was cool though. They had follow the leader. So just like a motorcycle track day, they'd have the, the instructor go out and everybody follows him. And then he does one of these and uh, you go to the back and then second place um, pulls up further right behind the, uh, the instructor and, and does a lap behind him. And then, you know, that guy goes to the back and so on. So we all get a chance to be behind the, the instructor and see what he's doing. And so he can give you instruction afterward. Um, it was pretty cool. They do point to pass on straightaway, yes. one car per point. That was different for me. Um, just like in novice and track yeah, days yeah. for motorcycles, they do only passing on the straightaway, um, intermediate only in the corners and advanced anywhere else. But you have to do one car per point and you're pointing out the windows. You pass me on the left or pass me on the right, you know, above your car. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just different. But uh, uh, I'm just rambling. But uh, tell me about uh, your day, your life. What's going on with you? Uh, not too much. Uh, I, I unfortunately couldn't make it to the last two Vera races. I really wanted to be out there, but my brother's getting married, so I'm helping out with all of that. Um, so that's exciting. Yeah, uh, it's this weekend. So, but I am going to be at Nelson's after this. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that one. Oh, nice. Uh, Doing uh, the Vera series, you're trying to do the full championship uh, for regionals? Uh, just the North Central. Uh, this is my first season racing. So, you know, I'm trying to get a feel for it and, and you know, uh, do as many as I can. <laughs> and then the next year, I want to do the whole thing. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And so, so you're, um, I would assume, a novice if it's your first year? Yes, that's right. Novice. So, but you're an advanced track day guy, but you're a novice racer, right? Yep. Uh, I actually did one. Well, for the, for the first time last year, I did my first ever uh, Vera race. John Hawkins got me to do it, <laughs> and it was it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, but I just figured that the R six was too much bike for me, and then I decided to you know get a Ninja three hundred, start racing that this season, try to get used to the bike and all that. And yeah, things go pretty well. Uh, the only thing I regret is I haven't been able to make it to all the races this year. Um, yeah, uh, no, I want I want to go out there next year, do every single one. Probably explore a few more uh, tracks that I've never been to. For example, Mid Ohio, I've I've never been there. Pit Race, I've never been there. So yeah, yeah, those are some uh, pretty pretty good ones on the calendar that have been staples for a long time. And Pittsburgh has just expanded mm -hmm. uh, the track surface recently. So it used to be uh, about a minute lap time, and now it's like two minute lap times. Yeah. So uh, nice. the difference. Um, and uh, you've ever been to like Road Atlanta or Barber? I've only gone to watch. I've never uh, rode on those tracks ever. So yeah. Um, yeah, those are pretty nice too. Some of them are more dangerous than others. Um, you got to watch <laughs> out. Like Barber is lined with guardrails everywhere, um, but most of them are in okay spots. There's only a few corners, like coming up the hill. Um, if you were to get that wrong, if you're going left, that could be bad. But most of the places are pretty good. Um, and then Barbara has that museum that you can, yeah. you can go to. And actually, I just got an email. I've been corner working this year. Um, yeah. I'm a track marshal now. I'm a race official for the safety crew, um, going out and helping out with flagging and communications. And I just got an email for uh, working Barber, Moto America. So uh, that's like next weekend. Um, if I'm going to go, you know, I still work a normal day job and I have my business. So 
I have to plan um, if I'm going to be leaving. So um, I had to get a flight down there and I probably just, um, you know, this is the first time I actually have a, I haven't even used it yet. I just got a new tent and uh, so it can fit in my backpack because I got uh, a earlier this year, but it's only for car camping. I'm like 60 seconds set up, sign me up. So I got it and it's like, you know, this big thing that fits in your trunk or your truck bed. Um, so that's not going to work for going to, out to fly and camping at an event. So I got to get something different. Um, so I got like a lightweight chair because before I'd be taking this big chair all yeah. around, uh, wearing around my back and bicycling to the corners, wearing a backpack and a chair and all this different stuff. So it's a little awkward. So trying to get some more uh, easy to carry equipment. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, but I'm excited for you. Well, uh, you're doing the, you know, Motor America race and all that. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's cool being there. And, um, you know, last time at, uh, at Pittsburgh, actually, I worked the Pittsburgh Motor America event and Wyatt Ferris, I don't know if you watched the race, he crashed <laughs> in turn five and high sided and uh, I was the first responder to that fire. So it was flames. Saw that, yeah. yeah. We couldn't put it out. There was nothing we could have done unless we had a fire truck on the side of the track right next to us. Um, we were never going to put that fire out with two fire extinguishers. It wasn't not enough. Um, but it was cool to get that firsthand uh, fire experience anyway and come out the other side okay. Everybody was all right. Just the bike was kind of totaled. Yeah. No, but, you know, I, I watched that video, you know, all of you springing into action right away. Uh, it's cool to watch. It's unfortunate, but yeah, it was kind of cool to watch. Yeah. Um, so uh, you've been doing uh, the regional series this year. Which rounds have you hit? I would assume Grattan and Nelson, and they do Grattan twice, but not both directions anymore, just uh, yeah. Grattan twice. Yep. So I've only done Grattan and Nelson's this year. I uh, couldn't make it out to the others. I did the endurance race at Nelson's as well. Okay. Uh, it, was, it was pretty good. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I've been I've been talking to my brother about it. Oh, he's been racing with me as well, trying to see if we can do the the endurance series next year as well. You know, uh, get all that seat time in so we can get better, right? <laughs> and so, uh, are those four hours? How long are those endurance races? Yeah, two hours on the small on the small bikes. Uh, yeah, that's a quite a ways. That's a lot of laps, even on the three hundred. Yeah, well, uh, I missed their like well the. This time when we were doing the endurance race, um, I, I missed the board and, uh, you know, they were trying to call me in and I, I, I rode an extra 30 minutes, but when I was done, you know, I couldn't feel anything in my body. It was, <laughs> yeah. So I want to be better prepared for next season. I don't think I'm in good shape to <laughs> do the endurance races. So, uh, tell me about your fitness. What have you been uh, doing for staying in shape for riding one of these beasts? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I've been eating a lot of cake. That's what I've been doing. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, well, especially since COVID and work from home and all that, I, I haven't been hitting the gym at all. Uh, I hate, I, I hate how I feel right now, but you know, that's just how it is. Uh, sometimes I end up working like super, super late. Uh, and then I'm just super tired to go, uh, go to the gym and all that. But, you know, I, I shouldn't be given these excuses. You know, if you had to make it happen, you had to make it happen. Right? So, yeah, just got to get up and go out there. <laughs> yeah, for uh, sure. Sometimes it's hard to, uh, to squeeze it in. I just started a new thing uh, recently on Mondays. 
I've been doing Orange Theory. It's a fitness class. I don't know if you heard of it. Yep. So um, their theory is that if you're in the top two heart rate zones for the longest time, that you get the best bang for your buck for a high intensity interval training type workout. Um, so they do rowing, uh, a weight section, and then running or biking. Um, and I've been doing it actually quite a while now. Um, I've been doing the free classes every couple months. They'd call me up, hey, you want to do another free class? I'm like, sure, you know, I'll try it out again. <laughs> I always liked it. I just didn't want to spend the money. So um, yeah. I, I've been feeling like, you know, it's, it's easy to skip your own workout if it's not really scheduled, if you don't have something to actually uh, a time to be there um, and a group that's counting on you in a way, you know, and that has a group atmosphere. So um, it's, it's like a, an appointment to hit now. And uh, I've been going every week for the last couple of weeks. Uh, but also, it was yesterday, Labor Day was uh, one of my classes. And I didn't even think about it. I'm like, oh, it's a holiday, whatever. They're probably open. Uh, they weren't open. So <laughs> I went there and no one's there. But uh, the Stony Creek Metro Park wasn't far away from me. And so I just went to the park and ran around the lake for six miles yesterday. And um, I haven't done that in a while. My, I'm, from quarter working, actually, my, my left foot has been hurting me. For, um, the last few months on and off and it's like a plantar fasciitis i think um mm -hmm. it's just from standing in place for 10 hours a day uh, my feet aren't used to that and so it just been hurting my heel a little bit so i ran anyways and it's hurting more today but i think it was worth it <laughs> well yeah well, uh, i hope it I, ho I hope you feel better you know are you doing anything to like is there any way you can fix it or yeah, so I think stretching helps a lot. I also do like a hot yoga class on Thursdays. Uh, I've been doing that for a couple of years now. Um, and the stretching helps a lot for not getting injured. And it's a, it's a hot sauna there too, like 105. And I know that sauna work is supposed to be really good for you. So I've nice. uh, been doing that. And uh, I got actually supposed to have a race on uh, Saturday to this week. Um, I just fixed my bicycle. I broke my chain last time out at Pontiac Lake. Um, I had a few too many pops and went for a bike ride and screwed up my bike. <laughs> <laughs> fell over a couple of times, felt like I was a newbie. Uh, I guess the lesson there is uh, don't have alcoholic beverages and go ride a hard trail. And in tight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. How's your, uh, how, how's the go-karting stuff going uh, i know you won the uh what was it was that the was that the whole thing or yeah it was cart to cart i did uh well it, it just bought it out it's uh now full throttle adrenaline park over in sterling heights um they had a league night um under 200 and over 200 pounds um and i i won i won the championship five out of six races, first place. And the one I didn't win was the guy who worked there. I got second place to him. Um, so I did pretty good. And I had the fastest lap for the whole series. Um, so I was happy with that. Um, but That's I also, awesome. yeah, man, it was, it's, it doesn't seem like um, that high of a accomplishment just because it's like a regular, like, Joe Schmo shows up in races. They're not all racers. Like some, there's one guy who races cars at Granton. There's one guy who says he's cart, been in cart racing for 30 years. So you got enthusiasts for sure. Um, one other guy is a simulator in his living room type of thing. 
um, but they're not real like racers. So it's just cheap racing that I like to do, and it keeps you you on your toes. So when I show up, I'm like, I better win, right? That's my mentality. Yeah. Um, and so I just did uh, my first real go-kart experience in a tag cart, a 125 two-stroke. Um, and I went out to East Lansing Kart Track on Saturday. Um, and uh, I rented it from a guy, Eric Christensen. Um, we went out to a storage unit and picked it up and transferred it over to my truck bed and um, took off all the bumpers and just barely fit it in there with some tie downs. It's a little too wide. I probably should have taken off just a rear wheel or something and stuffed it in better, but uh, the tailgate couldn't close. It's, it's a pretty big machine. Um, so I rented it for like $300 an hour um, of engine runtime, which is, seems ridiculous, but uh, a brand new engine is uh, rebuilt for about every 10 hours and it's like $3,000. So uh, that's about what it costs for, for maintenance on that, on that stuff. And that's not even talking about brake pads and tires. And um, I screwed up a sprocket. I destroyed the rear, um, the rear sprocket because he told me about it. And I was checking it, but the very last session, I guess I didn't look at it, and uh, the chain tension got too too loose, and so um, I, I felt something spinning. I was like, "What's what's that noise? I'm losing some drive power here." I'm like, "It's not the clutch. It's an automatic. There's one gear. Um, it's the tires seem like they're fine. It's not loose tires or something. It's uh, just trying to like go through all the checklists in your head while you're also racing and trying to go through the corners." And like some, it's getting worse. Like there's a problem here. Um, and by the end of like the second lap of me having that issue, it was already shredded. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm coming into pits now. Um, so I felt bad, but um, that's a minor problem, a minor um, damaged part for uh, a oh, damn yeah. in it. So, um, and I was having some problems with the, like the carburation, like getting all the tuning just right because it's, it's a two stroke and I've never really driven or ridden any two-stroke in my life so it was different um trying to fine-tune the engine and find the sweet spot for the high and the low of the range and all that because I was bogging down a little bit and um, they were just giving me pointers because it's a brand new type of machine for me and uh I had no idea what I was getting into it was actually the fastest machine at the racetrack that day uh, and uh it's like a 30 it's an X30 engine, so about 30 horsepower um, in a cart that's well, 185 pounds, and I'm about 150, maybe 165 with gear and all that. Um, so very fast, lightweight, and there was a couple or there was a couple sections that uh, I was trying to be my fastest, and I just could not yet be full throttle. It was scaring me how fast it was. It was like, geez, I gotta let up, man. It's there's a certain point where you you get into like warp speed and it just gets, <laughs> accelerates faster. It's like, how does this, and uh, that when it starts accelerating faster is, uh, it's kind of like the back straightaway of this track. It's not really a kink, but in these carts, you can do it full throttle and some, if you have the balls for it. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's tight. And I didn't feel like doing that because there's like a, a tire barrier like if i lose the cart i could definitely end up in that in those tires over there so uh i took it a little easy i got a 41.79 was my lap time i think they said they win at 37s 
So I wasn't too far off for my very first time. I was happy with it. And uh, I didn't end up in the grass. I kept it on the pavement the whole time. Um, I uh, I did spin the cart about 100 degrees, not a full 360 or anything. Um, but yeah, I was just, I locked up the brakes just a little bit too much. And then uh, some, it's really easy to do. These carts are super powerful. Um, I was really surprised though. They don't want you to have front brakes because it's a such an advantage. I'm like, oh. <laughs> huh? <laughs> because for, I don't know. I don't know all the reasons, but he was saying almost all the carts just have rear brakes. Like, all right, I guess that's uh, one way to do it. Uh, why would you not want front brakes? I don't quite understand, but for some of the yeah. better classes, the senior classes, they, they have, you know, the best of the best and front brakes and all that. But for the lower carts, I guess they just, they don't need it. They don't think it's necessary. Carts are a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. I've, I've never, I've never, I've never driven a two-stroke cart before, uh, but I've ridden a two-stroke bike and, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, when you get in that power band, it's all, <laughs> it's crazy. So, yeah. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, I was there talking to different people and I was even thinking, man, I don't even know how to get this vehicle out of my truck bed by myself. <laughs> it's like 185 pounds or whatever. And that's pretty heavy. You don't want to just drop it on the ground. Um, there is a stand. Um, mm -hmm. And so you have to like bring it onto the stand and it's pretty close in height to my, to my truck bed. So you just kind of bring it up a little bit onto the stand. And, but I just had to ask for help a bunch, like seven, eight times, 10 times every day that you do this. If, if you don't come with two people, you gotta say, Hey buddy, can you give me a hand real quick? And they're like, yeah, what's your name? And you just meet new people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's actually how I've made so many friends at the racetrack too. You know, uh, they helped me get my motorcycles out and all that. Yeah, so don't be ashamed of asking for help. I never like asking for help, but it's like I don't I don't have a choice. Yeah, Either I'm gonna damage this cart looking like a fool or I'm gonna ask the guy right next to me. Um, you know, for a for a quick second of his uh, time and he won't mind anyway. So um and actually one of the guys we became so good friends in six hours that he gave me uh, a carding suit for free. I was like, that's so generous. I was like you know, I'm looking to get into it. You know, I'm not looking to spend a whole lot of money. I wasn't trying to like lowball him. I didn't even know he had anything to sell. Uh, he was like, I got a couple of suits. What are you looking for? I'm like, I don't know, even know what my size is. The large, maybe um, like six feet, you know, like I said, about 160. And uh, um, he's like, I got one in my van. You want it? I have how much for free? I'm like, sweet. <laughs> hey, Larry, you see this? Um He's a super nice guy, and uh, you know he just bought a brand new 2021 Tony cart, which is about an eight horsepower go kart, and he let me try it out. He he gave me a whole session in it for free. He didn't charge me a dollar, and then uh, he got to use his fuel and his tires and his and his cart is about 10 minutes of his engine time or 20 minutes. I'm not sure how long I was out there, but um, it was so different. It was you know 24 horsepower slower than the <laughs> other cart that I've been driving all day. I was like, you know what? This is probably a better place for me to start. I mean, I love the power of that, of that uh, faster cart, but I think you should always start in the slowest CC machinery possible. Like kudos to you yep. for going down to the 300 because most people don't do that. 
I raced with a good friend of mine, Al Zahui, and he had a 1000. We started at the, the, the same time, pretty much. I was on a 600. And I was always two to three seconds faster a lap than he was at every different track. And some tracks, it's uh, hard to do that. Like uh, with uh, Road Atlanta, with a long straightaway or, you know, Road America, we didn't go there, but mm-hmm. um, you learn faster, I think, it, when you're going slower because it comes at you slower. And even I noticed I was changing my um, getting on the throttle points and uh, getting on the throttle earlier because I was overdriving the corners way too much in the, in the X30 cart because there's so much power. I'm just like, just throttle out, <laughs> you'll figure it out, you know? And uh, you just have to go back to the fundamentals with the slower cart because you don't have a choice. You don't have an engine behind you to back it up if you have a crappy corner. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've been enjoying riding the 300 so much. I feel like I've I've become a much better rider now uh, on the 300 because I'm constantly focusing on on, on my riding and my skill and, you know, relying less on the bike because I know that I don't have the power to get me out of the car and anything. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to the 300 forever. I think it's it's also so much more fun because you know when you're passing people that are riding 600s in a corner, it just makes you feel good. You know, <laughs> it gives you a feeling of accomplishment. I'm sure. Um, so how is it now? The lightweight class, as they call it, is not just one CC category. It's a 250, three 300, 399. 400 KTM 390s. You got a little bit of everything there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was a little surprised to see, uh, you know, the 400s racing in the same class as me because, you know, well, although it's only about what, 10 horsepower more or whatever, but it actually feels like they're going significantly faster than you. Yeah. Especially at Nelson's, you know, when you <clears throat> ride out of the carousel and then the 400s just take off after that. And I have the throttle, you know, pinned all the way. And I'm like, come on, <laughs> go. And my bike's pretty, I mean, it's stock. It's got nothing other than a bunch of rear sets and clip-ons and whatever. But yeah, you know, um, it, it also, I think it's a good thing because uh, you're trying to catch up to everyone riding a 400. Uh, I also found that, uh, you know, there are several corners at Nelson's where I don't even need to break or, you know, uh, let go of the gas at all. Yeah. Uh, I learned that I could do that by following a 400. So I think that's kind of cool. You know? Yeah, you definitely learn uh, a lot more when you don't have the engine behind you. Um, I think it's important to learn on slower machinery because you focus on the corners, braking, the technical riding rather than, um, you know, just using your engine, like I said. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I even sold my 600 because... I didn't think I was, you know, ready to race a 600 just yet. You know, it's just so much power. It is a lot of power, a lot to get to get to used to. Think about a 1,000, how much power, much more power that would have. 60 more horsepower than a 600. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's insane. I got to give it to those guys that race the 1,000s. Wow, this I don't know how they do it. You know? <laughs> also, the guy with the fastest lap time has the slowest hands. So you have to, when you have all that power, you can't just be whacking open the throttle. You got to be just so precise in your throttle opening um, that it's smooth, reliable, consistent every time. You can't be choppy. You can't be, it's, you have to be so careful with it. It's like you have a Ferrari 
but it's yeah. only 400 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's insane. Yeah. You know, um, two of the people that I really look up to, uh, in general, as well as, you know, at the racetrack, uh, John Hawkins, obviously, uh, he does a really, really good job. Uh, you know, when he gets on the bike, right. Like he's amazing. Uh, and, and Lane Stewart, pretty sure you know him. He used to be, with, uh, yep. Uh, so, uh, that's, that's the, you know, that, that's always what they told me, right? Like focus on being really smooth with your throttle, regardless of what bike you're riding. And yeah, I mean, it's really good advice uh, coming from them. Yeah. Uh, Lane uh, uh, happened to, I'm pretty sure you know, uh, you know, he used to ride a Jigsaw 1000 before, right? And he switched down to a 300 and then now he's got an SV650. And, you know, he, well, at his skill level, if he switched to a 650, what, what, what am I going to be doing, you know, riding a 600? Like, <laughs> yeah, so small bikes are good. They're a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm just working on my technique now. And, yeah. Yeah. And I'd say, uh, you know, I plan on getting a 400, um, a street bike is the goal to, uh, to have a second mode of transportation. I haven't had a street bike in 10 years. Yeah. So it'd be nice to have a, a backup if my truck is in the shop or needs repairs. Um, Cause it's been having some electrical issues lately and it makes me nervous that I'm not gonna be able to drive it one of these days. So I wanna have something um, that I can just get some groceries, go to work. You know, I don't, I don't need a, a huge truck to drive around all the time. Um, I, I can just ride a motorcycle, that's fun too. Uh, but also I'll probably end up taking that to the racetrack, do some track days with it. Um, Cause if I'm gonna have a motorcycle, how can I not race it or ride it at the racetrack? Yeah. <laughs> Body work and you're good to go, some safety wire. Um, I already have all my gear. I got my suit. I got, I just bought a new Shoei 1400. Oh, um, sweet, nice. Yeah, I needed a, a new helmet to do that car track day. So I got, I got my gear again and uh, I'm probably getting more stuff. I'm looking at like a, I'm already looking at backup pairs of gloves and like uh, that kind of thing, because I just want to be ready for when, uh, when I have the money to do it. Nice. That's, that's, uh, that's awesome. But when are you, when are you headed to the track? When do you think you're going to get your 400? Um, so season or? <laughs> I'm planning, I got, I got a lot of plans, but uh, probably next year, um maybe this this winter time might be uh time to pull the trigger to buy that the 400 um and then uh probably sometime in the you know or spring or summer i'll do at least one track day with it I don't, I don't plan on going crazy i'm still trying to save my money for like a house and a new truck and all that but uh i want to do some stuff in the meantime so i don't go crazy um you know, I've been doing all this corner working and that that's great because uh, most of the time you get paid to do it and you're at the racetrack. So, um, although when I'm going down to fly to Alabama, I'm probably not going to make money at the end of the day. Um, it probably, it's a, a cheap vacation type of thing. Um, a cool getaway and see all your track friends and shake some hands. And, you know, I'm under the Motor America hospitality tent getting fed and giving getting drinks and all this stuff and talking to the officials and like i am an official it's awesome it's like this is like how do i do more of this that's awesome yeah <laughs> and anybody can do this like you could do this like uh, your friends anybody who races where you don't have to have any race experience you could be uh, a friend of a racer or a family member or 
you know, any relation um, and have no experience and oh, if really? you're willing to learn, they teach you. Like I just went to the first one I did, uh, I went to CCS, Blackhawk Farms, and they taught me everything I need to know. They took me around to the corners. They, they had me do a written test. Um, and it wasn't like, if you got this wrong, you're out. No, it's like, if you get this wrong, we'll talk about it so you understand it. And then we'll go over it again. And then if you understand it, then you're past. It's not like a cutthroat mentality. Like they need people. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have tons of volunteers. I'm on all the email blasts now um, for all the different uh, racetracks and uh, availability for, for um, who wants to work shifts. And like Mid-Ohio notoriously doesn't pay for corner workers. They don't get, it's purely volunteer based. So they're always like, we need workers. We have no workers for this. I'm like, well, that's probably why. <laughs> um, you know, that's the only event so far I haven't gotten paid for. But I'd still probably work the Mid-Ohio vintage motorcycle days because it was so damn cool. Like I got free camping. I got discounts on, con on concessions. Um, and I got to you know, hang out and see all the, all the five different racetracks that they had. And uh, it, was a, it was a festival atmosphere. It's like uh, all the vendors are there selling parts. And I mean, they have like 30,000, 40,000 people there, if not more than that. Um, yeah. It's, it's I always enjoy being at, you know, races. It's, it's just so much fun. It's a nice community and all that. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. And they had some flat track going on. I just like doing a whole bunch of different disciplines and uh, seeing what's out there, learning more. Yeah, sure. I think I might do it too, you know, uh, uh, my volunteer. Yeah, it sounds like, it sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah. And uh, it's, it's interesting because no one ever really asked me to be a corner worker. No one ever said like, hey, we need people. Are you busy next weekend? When I was racing, I'm, they never really put it out there, but I guess they're always looking. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me about your uh, your daily life. What's going on in your normal life? Well, uh, work's been super, super busy. Uh, pretty sure uh, you, you must have seen it on the news. Uh, Ford, Argo, and Lyft are coming out with this pilot in November, the autonomous vehicles. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, one of my products is going to be on it. So, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty busy uh, the last few months, uh, you know, 10 12 hour days and all that which is fine uh, just super tired at the end of it but yeah it's pretty much all all that's been going on uh, my brother's getting married so I've been helping out with that I'm super excited for that uh, so what do you think yeah. about all these autonomous vehicles do you think that's going to be coming on online very soon or is it another 20 years from now yeah for sure uh, I think I think they're not too far out uh, you know, they'll be out there soon. There are a few robot taxis running already. Uh, you'll see more from Ford as well. So, <laughs> no, but I, I hate to say it, but you know, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of autonomous vehicles. I don't think I'll ever vote. I'll ever own one. <laughs> Still probably gonna have a stick shift. You know, loud sounding gas guzzler or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, oh, they're not too far out. Uh, you know, it makes me think. Um, I've said before, I think cruise control makes people worse drivers because I used to use it all the time. Um, I used to use it as a pit limiter. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a notorious speeder. I think a lot of people are. It's easy to do. Um, and so when I get to a certain speed, like if I'm 
you know, five minutes to 45, I get to 50 and hit, hit the button. And so now I'm not going to be really speeding any more than I wanted to. And my speed's just set, but it doesn't work in bad conditions. You never want to use it, you know, if it's raining or snowing. Um, but also my speedometer has been going crazy and doing one of these when I'm, uh, you know, my speed is stationary. Um, wow. so when my speed does that, it just completely kicks it out and cancels it and turns it off. But um, that is weird. <laughs> yeah, well, when you're, imagine now all that time that you're not using the throttle and you're using electronics, you're actually becoming a worse driver, right? Driving sure, is yeah. a perishable skill. It's something you get worse at when you stop doing it, I think. It's, I agree. <laughs> kind of like riding a bike, but it's not. I mean, there's a lot of nuances. It depends if you're just driving on the street or if you're driving per performance on the racetrack. But even on the street, you get worse. Um, sure. yeah. Like you, you're not uh, using those those thigh muscles or calf muscles in the right places anymore, and you get <laughs> so. Uh, I think it's. I think electronics can be helpful, but just like the ABS causing problems, yep. um, it's not always a benefit. Um, like I never had the ability or um, the opportunity to use traction control or or like wheelie control or you know endo control braking you know braking bias that stuff. Uh, it was just never an option on my motorcycles. But I think some of it can be beneficial in the right applications. It's just um, it's it's difficult to manage it all. Like sometimes in the superbike class they can. They can change suspension settings per corner, if I'm thinking right, like GPS, you know, um, wow. they can change all sorts of settings in the, in the top superbike classes. Um, and that's what makes the, the small teams so far away from the big teams, because the big teams have, you know, data engineers at $100,000 salaries that just trying to figure out how to, you know, make sense of all this information coming off the telemetry of the motorcycle. Oh yeah, for sure. I've I've never been on a motorcycle that has all of these, you know, electronics going on and all that. Uh, I've I've never even ridden a motorcycle with ABS on it. You know, <laughs> I don't know what it feels like. But I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it makes you lazy. Maybe, you know, it doesn't give you doesn't help you become that good of a rider. I guess. You know? <laughs> so let's say, well, think about it. You're in a, you're, you're mid corner and then your electronics stop working or something happens, how would you connect it, right? So yeah. pretty yeah, sure you'd be able to do uh, that with a, sorry, go ahead. Probably be thrown off if you're not used to yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, have you ever used any like data acquisition or lap timers like GPS, anything like that? No, so uh, <laughs> it sucks, but you know, the only way I see my, uh, my lap times is when I do the races. <laughs> I see what Vera puts up there and that's how I know my lap times. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's on my list. I'm gonna buy a, a lap timer pretty soon because uh, you know, I think it makes sense. I can improve every, you know, after every session and all that. Uh, I just never got around to buying one, so. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're not essential. You really don't need it, but it's a great training tool so you can uh, measure how you're doing. If you can't measure it, it's really hard to know if you're getting better or worse. Um, and sometimes you can feel great, but be going a lot slower. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. good, good to know. But, uh, you know, I actually sell GPS lap timers from Starlane. Um, oh, sweet. Uh, if you're looking for some, I might be able to give you a hookup. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 
Um, I just got one myself. I took it to Granton for that car track day, um, but somehow it, it wasn't set up right. It was giving me weird lap times. Uh, I think I just need to do a software update on it and it should be good to go. Um, but it's pretty nice. It has like a couple different sector times. You can hook it up to your computer and see all the position of where you're going. It's got, you know, when you're on the throttle, when you're on the brakes, you can mm -hmm. hook up, depending on which model you get, you can get cheaper ones that just do lap time. You can get um, other ones that are basically uh, data loggers. So you can have suspension um, sensor hookups to it. You can do um, you know, brake pressure and throttle sensor um, pressures towards the uh, getting to the data. And sometimes you can even overlay your video um, with like your G-force on it and all this stuff put it on, um, make a video with all that data on your, from your machine, which is pretty cool. Um, so, so how do those, so how does the, how does it work? You have like preloaded track maps in them and. Yeah. So most of the North American tracks and a lot of European tracks are already in some of these units. Um, and you can also do point to point. So like rally, or you can do your own, you can make your own tracks. Oh, yeah. and, nice. And just tell it where the start is like you can make your own track in your backyard and just say this is a start time or the start line you can say this is sector one sector you can make sectors um there's a lot of things you can do with it. you can use it actually as your dashboard um you can hook up like rpm sensors to it so you can have all the data that could come off your motorcycle can go into one of these some of them are fairly expensive um <laughs> but uh, they use them for a lot of data. And, uh, you know, I never had all that data when I was racing. I really didn't. I never used any GPS lap timers. Um, I never, um, I had one, but I couldn't figure out how to set it up years ago. And so I barely ever used it. But uh, I, I just used the, the beacon. Um, <laughs> like if we would go to a STT sport bike track time day, they would, somebody would normally bring a beacon and it wasn't even GPS. It was just like a, um like a point to point they would have to bring a, a unit put it at start finish and it would pick it up when we went by and then the my lap stuff was helpful um so if you're using my laps you can also look on your phone and see the mm -hmm. speed hive live timing um which is helpful um i use that sometimes when i'm corner working to see who's in this race and what are their names and what are their, their numbers because i can't read that number very well um you know it's, it's helpful to see that information but yeah, no, you don't need it. It's just uh, extra helpful stuff. If you have the money, it's very helpful, but um, you can go fast without it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I just never bought one because I didn't think I was fast enough, you know, to need a lap timer. I just started racing. I'm like, okay, this is going to make me faster. And <laughs> I just started looking at lap times on, you know, whatever Vera puts out. And I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get better, I guess. <laughs> I would say the most three, the three most important things for uh, going to the racetrack are suspension, tires, and brakes. Like steel braided brake lines, not even upgrading your rotors, but different pads in there, different fluid. Um, and uh, if you got those three things, you don't need to really even worry about your engine. Obviously, you have to have a steering damper, um, maybe some rear sets for adjustment, clip-ons, uh, bodywork. Yep. Um, safety wire, maybe some new oil every other weekend. Um, tire warmers are really helpful, but you don't need them. You know, it was crazy doing uh, this karting weekend because 
they have no tire warmers, um, or at least these people didn't. So you go out for the first two laps and you're, you have no tires, you have no grip. You're just, you're on ice. You go to turn and your car like drifts for six feet before it starts turning. It's like, man, this is like sketchy, <laughs> but you just, you have to go through that and you got to warm up the engine just right. They, they had this, mine was liquid cooled. So I got a radiator. A lot of them weren't just air cooled, but I have this flap on my radiator. You got to open and close while you're driving. You got to find a little thing and do one of these um, while you're going 60 miles an hour and uh, try not to burn yourself. And <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad, but um, yeah, it was interesting. You had to keep it within like 130 to 160 degrees. It's pretty low, I thought. Um, low temperature Fahrenheit and uh, it was just uh, you know you don't have have that finicky uh, temperature window with sport bikes when you use tire warmers and uh, you don't even really have to worry about the engine temperature that much it's like yeah. you can warm it up for a couple of minutes and twist the throttle a few times and it's good to go like you don't really there's not much break in per day like there is in a two-stroke cart it sounds like yeah well sounds like a lot of work <laughs> Just a lot more fine tuning. It's uh, just a different machine. It requires different stuff. Yeah. Sure. Um, I I used to ride a carbureted bike before, and well, after a point, I was like, I'm done messing with carburetors. You know, I can't do it. It's just you can never get it right. <laughs> it's always something going wrong. It's different. You think a uh, two strokes are coming back, or they're going away? It's just going to become all electric bikes here one day. Yeah, things just going to be electric bikes. <laughs> you no, know, at some point, I think uh, I might like that because as long as you can ride them all day and get a, as much ride time and enjoyment as you can out of the the, the gas powered ones, because I could ride in my backyard and no one would know. Uh, yeah, it's not <laughs> no one's going to yell at me like. Uh, that would open up a lot more riding if, if it was quiet. Uh, you know, I, there's the Formula One debacle where they changed from the, the V, was it V12s to the oh, hybrid wow. era and they, they eliminated the sound. Formula One got sued by the sporting regulation or something like that because they lost their entertainment value from the sound. People, the spectators missed the sound aspect of it so much, but I'm like, Yes, I get it. It's cool to have those really loud, amazing sounding machines, but then you can't race in cities as well. You can't race like Laguna Seca has so many noise restrictions. Exactly. I was going to say that, Laguna Seca, yeah. Uh, it causes pro more problems, I think, than it's a benefit. I don't know. Mm. Loud pipes save lives, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, for sure. I think uh, learning how to ride saves lives. <laughs> yeah looking out for motorcycles saves lives yeah oh, but uh yeah so your brother's getting married that's exciting you uh you like his wife <laughs> yeah i have to <laughs> i'm kidding yeah she's uh yeah she's really nice i'm, I'm really happy for him so yeah <laughs> well i he, he used to be well you know, my, my brother and I, uh, he got me to start doing track days and all of that. So uh, I'm not sure if anything's going to change now that he's getting mad and all that. I hope it doesn't. <laughs> Maybe she'll come uh, and do track days too. I think she tried one. Uh, I don't know if it went that well, but I hope she'll come back. <laughs> uh, let's, 
lot of learning. So you gotta try it again to, to see if you like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to convince my girlfriend to come riding with us and all that. Just can't seem to convince her at all. <laughs> Um, it's a high barrier of entry, you know, this carding stuff, I wish that feels like it's easier to get people into because I think people in the States are more, more used to four wheels than two. Mm -hmm. And so if it's, if it's a four wheeled cart, um, it's easier to get them to do it, I think. And it's maybe cheaper. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's also one of the reasons, uh, so cost is like a big, is a big thing, isn't it? Uh, especially when you're racing and all that. Uh, the only reason I didn't get into car track days is because, well, I'm already spending so much on a motorcycle. It's almost going to be two times because tires are so much more expensive, brake pads. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. What about you? Do you think you're going to be doing uh, a lot, uh, a lot of car track days going forward, or? You know, I'll probably do a couple here and there. I actually got to call a guy back. Um, I have a lead on uh, getting a race car to, to rent a race car to do Waterford Hills uh, racetrack in Michigan. Um, nice. I'm not sure, maybe this year or next, but uh, get behind a real race car. I'm not even sure all the details of what he has. Um, but uh, he says, call me up. I got a, I got an opportunity for you. So it's just going to be like an open track day. Get my feel for the car. Um, you know, just, just get my feel for it. I've been in a bunch of different vehicles this year from, so from supermoto to cars to, to um, karting. Um, so I like to have in a different variety and I think it makes it be you better. I think it puts you on your toes because if you're only in one machine for your whole life, it's like, you don't have a, anything to compare it to you don't know different characteristics of how things feel um and i think it's just uh it's also just trying something new um it's super well, it's exciting. also a lot more fun isn't it something to look forward to and uh it'll be i think way faster than that uh the malibu that i had at the racetrack so uh, i think it'll be a lot more um racetrack worthy and you know i actually i i had a 2000 13 Triumph Daytona 675 and I sold that to a guy who races cars and he's got a car also that I probably end up uh, taking out to the track at some point next year so nice. I'm not trying to go crazy with it just like a track day weekend here or there um, and just trying to save most of my money and, and doing some fun things you know every once in a while uh, keeps me sane yeah I really want to be just doing full seasons of, of full racing like Wera or Moto America um, or even karting. I think that would be a lot of fun because even a kart's not super expensive. Like uh, I'm just, I'm learning all about the costs and different things of Supermoto. Supermoto is, is so cheap. You can buy uh, like a 250 for say a brand new $6,000 or so and put some slick tires on it and pretty much be ready to race. Maybe a few hundred dollars in some small parts, but um, a, a track day is like $50. Wow. <laughs> you, you don't go through tires, you barely use any gas. Um, if you drop the bike, nothing happens. Uh, I crashed my buddy's bike three different times and not a single scratch was found. 
He's like, where'd you crash? I can't even see it on the bike. Like the bikes are so resilient. I was fine. The bikes were fine. It was my pocketbook was fine. Um, it was great. And uh, so my, my real plan is I'm doing supermoto. I'm, I'm going to buy um, a 50, a 50 CC, probably okay. around a 100 or a 150. I haven't decided on what yet. And then probably a 250. My buddy Jeff's trying to get me to step up to a 450, but I'd like to start on something smaller. Um, we'll see where that goes because they're about the same price. Um, and then uh, do some supermoto because it's so cheap and you can go to the track and do an open track day, do a couple hundred laps and pay $50. Uh, it's beautiful and then so carting is very very similar i did this once you have the machine um and you can buy them from anywhere from two thousand to uh, i mean you can spend a lot of money but six seven thousand for a pretty good cart um the cart that i borrowed that was extremely fast and had a one two hours on the engine rebuild was forty two fifty four thousand um and it was the fastest one at the track um so for four thousand dollars you could buy that and then do the track day itself was 50 bucks that's it it was ten dollars for admission uh if i if i did a two-day pass it would have been fifteen dollars for two days so a lot of money and then the the track day itself was 40 bucks and they what organization was this this was um this was i think just run by the track itself i'm not oh, sure okay what organization was. It's just East Lansing cart track. It was 50 bucks. Nice. Um, I'm there and I didn't have anything. I didn't have a canopy, which was fine because there's tons of tree cover. Um, there weren't even that many people there. It was like a small venue. Um, it's a pretty tight track. I think you're maybe hitting top speed of like high 50 miles an hour. Um, and average speed is like mid 30s. There's a lot of slow tight corners, um, but there's also a couple of cool sections and fast fast areas, so um, downhill braking almost. <laughs> so it's got a lot of it, a lot, lot to it. Um, so uh, supermodos, uh, are they usually at the cart tracks? So they go to a lot of cart tracks. I went to Auto City up in Clio, Michigan, um, and I wanted to, uh, I, I turned that off for now because I'm recording a podcast right now. So, um, yeah, sorry about that. So, yeah, um, they usually go to cart tracks and they do like mostly pavement for what they call Motard. Um, but Supermoto is um, pavement and dirt mix. So there is probably like 15% dirt at this particular track. Not all the tracks have dirt because um, they do go to for the supermoto, they do go to East Lansing car track, but there's no dirt section there. It's just um, motard or super motard. Um, so those will all be slick tires. And even even for the supermoto, they do slick tires because it's mostly on pavement. Uh, but it's interesting. They have they've been building Great Lakes supermoto. Will Wildner has been building uh, the Auto City dirt section by hand and with machines and. And there's like a step down feature. There's like a kind of a tabletop. There's a step up. Um, and me for my first time, um, I was definitely going slow through that section. I was, I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never been in, in the dirt with slick tires on a dirt bike. Uh, that was a little wild. You have to think of it like a jet ski. It's steer with the rear. 
you can't be off the throttle. You have to be on the gas still, but you're going to be sliding all over the place. So just got to be, got to be careful. You got to be smooth. And, uh, and then comes the jumps. So I'm like, Oh man, here we go. And then it starts getting rutted out. And I'm not used to that. You know, I've never really ridden in the dirt before. Um, just a handful of times here and there. So that's why I'm looking to get some dirt bikes and get some experience because that's definitely something in my repertoire that's been lacking is some dirt riding. So I'm going to get it in and, um, start learning. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, I think dirt riding is really cool. The only experience I have with dirt bikes is riding my dirt bike in the backyard. That's about it. <laughs> I think it could have saved me from a bunch of crashes. So, uh, there's been a few times or well, one time in particular at Nelson's, I went off into the grass on purpose because I was pulling off and mm -hmm. I had a mechanical and then I realized I was going way too fast. And uh, so I pulled the front brake and uh, obviously fell down. Um, <laughs> I was probably going like 70 miles an hour and just tried to pull it out a little bit and it didn't work out in my favor. But it was like a, not a big deal because you're in the grass, you just tuck the front, you just kind of fall over and feel stupid. Um, <laughs> nothing was broken on the bike. It wasn't too bad, maybe a, like a foot peg or, and at that time I wasn't even, uh, fastening my body work with with bolts i just use um zip ties because when the zip ties break they don't wreck your body work and you can just put it back on and it was like a brilliant idea i would highly recommend it <laughs> yeah i've done that a million times before i even had like my body work held by duct tape several times when i crashed so it's taper right i mean i didn't even paint my body work for a year or so because i'm like i'm just gonna crash it what's the point of paying for paint Exactly. <laughs> I like the rocking the primer gray bodywork. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I ran, I ran like street bodywork on my 300 for the first few races because I knew I was going to crash it anyway. Yeah. It was, it was half of it was held together by safety wire and duct tape and, you know, painter's tape in some cases too. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, we're approaching an hour so far. Is there uh, anything on your mind you wanted to talk about? Oh, you know, it's always fun to be talking about, you know, motorcycles and cars. <laughs> nothing, nothing in particular. Uh, tell me about, uh, you know, your journey through racing. Yeah, so I started, um, I started out back in the day when I was probably four, 13, 14. Um, on my dad's scooter, just riding around the neighborhoods. I'd take that thing out and before I even had my driver's license, it was a 250 scooter. Um, I'd take it out all around the neighborhoods and not really so much on the main roads because I was a little young at the time, but just trying to get uh, some experience. I loved it. It was, uh, it was a Kimco People 250, not a, not a, a fast motorcycle. It was a scooter, but it still went about 87 miles an hour. Um, so it's highway worthy, pretty fast. Um, one gear and uh, no clutch, so it was easy to learn on. Um, I had a back seat. I'd always give uh, give rides to my friends and girls and all that. Uh, it, was, it was a cool thing to uh, to have around the neighborhood. And then, but my dad always didn't like me riding. He's like, "You need to, you know, be safe and all this stuff." So I always did the motorcycle safety foundation courses and the basic rider course. And I always wore. Oh, when I first started, I didn't wear any gear until I learned that you need to wear a gear and. Um, then I started wearing it all the time, rode on the street for a couple of years and, uh, I had a 250. I bought my own bike. Um, 
at an 08250 Kawasaki and slowly moved up, got a 600. I rode my friend Ed Garcia's uh, 600 around the block one day. And then two weeks later, I bought a 600. Um, so that's what sparked that one. And then I rode that for like six months or eight months maybe on the, on the street. And then I got arrested for speeding. Um, I, was, I got clocked at 147 and a 70, I think it was. Um, so it took wow. me straight to jail. More than double. Yeah. So I realized I couldn't be doing that stupid stuff anymore. And I went to the racetrack and I did a full season of track days. And um, um, 12, 12 track days, I think it was, at different tracks, Granton, Autobahn, uh, Gingerman. Um, I think there was another one in there, maybe Blackhawk or, or something. And... Uh, and then I was, I was already passing people who were racing. So I'm like, why don't I just, just go racing, see how I do in that? Because uh, I just wanted to ride my motorcycle in an environment that would allow me to open it up and not get arrested for, for enjoying my bike um, or minivans or, you know, worrying about animals. Well, sometimes you still got to worry about animals, but <laughs> less so um, on the racetrack. So then I went racing. I did uh, one season of Novice. I won three championships. And I did the 600, 750, and 1000 classes, both super bike and super stock for each of them. And uh, I won a 600, 750, and 1000 while riding a 600. Um, so I raced nice. in classes and I, I, I could still win um, when they have 60 horsepower more in some cases. So that was pretty cool. It was very difficult at tracks like Road Atlanta and Barber, um, but it is possible, especially a novice. You can still fight pretty good. Um, and then I did three more seasons in expert. Um, and I, I didn't win an expert championship, which is haunting me. I was racing guys who were, you know, decade long experts and, and professionals who had come back from pro, um, which is my excuse, which is why I haven't won one. But that's the truth. Um, I've gotten second place, I think, I don't know, a dozen times or so in different regional uh, championships um so i'm just trying to uh and then i actually in 2015 i had a bad crash so it kind of took me out of it financially um so i haven't been racing motorcycles for the last couple of years um but i have been doing foot races and i won a mountain bike championship and uh i just won a go-kart championship like you said uh recently about a month ago and uh, been getting into car track days and supermoto and, and karting um, at a higher level. So, and now corner working this year, um, looks like I'll be doing at least six, maybe nine events total this year. I'm looking to go down to Daytona if they still need more people for the race of champions, CCS. Um, and then I might do the IMSA Petit Lama, but they don't pay. So that'll be out of, out of pocket. And I don't know if I want to do that. Um, and then, uh, there's also Homestead Miami Speedway, CCS. Here's an important note for you. Um, <laughs> CCS always pays corner workers at their events. Um, so at least the ones that I've heard of. So it's, um, I'll, I'll do CCS all day. Sounds like Wera doesn't always pay, but so far almost all but one paid. And then um, I guess Moto America doesn't always pay, but so far I've always been paid. Um, so I'm not sure how that works. Um, 
I think sometimes I'm getting paid by the racetrack instead of Moto America. Like um, I'm on Road America's payroll right now because I worked an event that this year for two days. Um, I worked at three days, but they only paid us for two, which they only didn't pay for practice, but they pay for the race day. So it's a hybrid. And then um, I think I did get paid by Moto America at Pittsburgh. I didn't get paid by the, the racetrack. So it depends. Every single racetrack is different. It seems if there's no one size fits all, they're all their own unique businesses. Yep. So it's just different. So that's kind of my story. And uh, I, you know, I hate to be out of racing my, you know, I got a business named Eric Swan racing.com for a reason, because I, I love racing. I love, uh, four wheels, uh, two wheels. Only reason I got into four wheels because I thought it was the cheapest form to get into. Um, I was like, cars, there's no way I can reasonably get into car racing right now or 10 years ago, I thought. Um, I didn't really know so much about karting or how to get into it. Maybe that would have been a cheap route or supermoto probably would have been a good route. Um, but modified sport bikes is really where my heart lies, uh, where I'd love to be. Uh, in the 600 class, uh, again, to get back to there is my goal. Um, and so in the meantime, while I'm saving for adult purchases, like a, a place to live and a new vehicle to get me around. Um, after those are complete and I'm buying a couple of motorcycles, um, I plan to get back into racing full time, the full seasons. I want to do national Wera season. I want to do regional. I want to do Moto America for a decade. I want to do nice. for a decade. Like I, uh, I got goals, man. And I hope that my business sells enough in the future to help me fund all this. That's, that's my passion. And that's my goal is to be able to quit my day job and race full time. I'm sure you'll make it happen. You know, it's doing great already. I'm sure it'll all happen pretty soon. Yeah. Thank you, man. I, uh, this will help me out with you podcasting with me, just creating some original content. Hopefully some people are still listening by now, um, but uh, it's just uh, trying to create some advertising for it. Oh, for sure. I'm going to have all my friends watching and all that. So. <laughs> I'm quite behind right now. I will say I probably have about eight podcasts that I've already recorded that are not yet published. I think the last one I published was a month ago. And I, I said when I started, I'm going to do it once a week. I still have been doing it once a week. I just haven't had the time to, to put it out there. So at some point, it's just going to be like one a day, I think. It's going to be published type of thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm about to start hiring someone to, to edit these because uh, I'm getting behind. Maybe I should just not edit it and just throw it out there with no intro. Maybe that'll make me do it faster. <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. I really like the intro. I think you huh? should keep it. Yeah, I think you should. It's just it takes – the only problem with that is that I, I have to – change the file type and i have to like render the video which takes a while it takes like an hour for me to do that so i'll set it and then walk away do something else and then come back to it you know it's mm -hmm. time consuming but um comes with the territory of creating a, a show i guess yeah so where can people find you online what's your uh instagram and your social medias oh instagram's uh, where i'm mostly active uh my handle is called nicotune one N-I-K-A-T-O-N-1. Yes, where I'm mostly active. Facebook, I barely use Facebook at all. Uh, it's either LinkedIn or yeah, Instagram. But yeah, that's, that's where people can find me. Are you a video creator? Are you on YouTube at all? 
Uh, no, I'm not a video creator, but I want to start. Uh, I want to start recording, you know, the races that I'm doing, you know, partly because I want to get, I want, I want to see what I'm doing, if I can get better, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, also, yeah. I think those videos are kind of cool, uh, kind of cool, so. <laughs> yeah, you can see your laps, your track days, your or races. It's cool to see uh, the passes, the incidents yeah. or, or uh, cool moments. Yeah, for sure, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's what I plan to do. Uh, I recently purchased a camera, so uh, hopefully, since I might try it out, give it a shot. Then next year, I want to be able to do it for every race. See yeah. how that goes. Yeah. So, uh, so tell me, what is your plans for next year? You're looking to do the the full season, uh, hit all the rounds. Yep, that's that's uh, that's the goal. Hopefully, I can do it. I'm trying to save up and all that uh, this year, and then you know, just do the whole thing next year. All right. Well, I'll, I'll be looking for you and hope to see you out there when I'm corner working. And uh, when I get this posted, I'll be sure to tag you and make sure we tagged anybody we talked about. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate you having me today. All right. Well, have a great night and I'll talk to you soon. You as well. Bye-bye.